Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. Today, Pastor Humby Cerveta will share a message with you. We hope you enjoy it. We are in week two of our series called Fruit Feeder. Now in this series, we will be looking at the things in our lives that help feed the spiritual fruit that the Holy Spirit is growing within us. Because of the series that we've already done before this year, we already know what the spiritual fruit comes, or that the spiritual fruit comes when we dig our roots deep into God's living water, which is the Holy Spirit. Then we learn that the Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as spiritual fruit in our lives. Now in this series, what we are doing is taking a look at how the fruit, this fruit that we're talking about, is actually fed by the situations that are happening in our lives. We're looking at this through the lens of the scripture we find in James 1. There it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now what we are looking at is how crappy situations can be used to fertilize the fruit that the Holy Spirit is growing in our lives. What we are understanding is that pain has purpose in our lives. In this series, you're going to get something from every person that delivers a message here every single week. We are going to share about our lives something that was painful. Now, what we're really doing is establishing a culture of what a pastor that I like to listen to, Pastor Mike Todd out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, says. What what Pastor Mike Todd calls this kind of stuff is hot. When we share our pain and our shame, that is HOT. Now, HOT is just an acronym, don't don't get too excited. HOT's just an acronym for honest, open, and transparent. So here at Akua, we want to be HOT. We want our speakers, the ones delivering messages and leading you, the ones that are leading you in worship, we want them to be HOT. We want all of you, everyone listening to my voice right now to be HOT. We want a HOT church. So if you want that too, type that in the chat. Type in, I want a hot church. Or you can just throw some like fire emojis in there. Now, if you aren't in the chat right now, just say that out loud wherever you are. I want a hot church. Hopefully somebody didn't look at you sideways when you said that, but we'll keep on going. So in this series, I'm just trying my best to be hot for y'all. Now today, I want to throw it way back, all the way back to me being in elementary school. Now, back in those days, I had dreams of growing up to be a professional athlete. I was hoping for like baseball and basketball, but I would have just settled for one or the other. You know, I would have settled for that. Now, uh, we all know that the first steps to athletic greatness start on the playground at recess. Now, what I noticed is that even though I knew how to sink a jumper from deep or play tough defense, or I knew how to like dribble between my legs early in elementary school, I would almost always be picked near the end. What I learned was the reason I would normally get picked near the end was because I was small. Now, when I say I was small, I mean I was like always one of, if not the shortest kid in every class I was in during elementary. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, that's a surprise, Humvee, because you're like super tall and and big now. Oh, you know, I get it. Uh, But anyways, what happened in most of these games is that I would have to prove myself. I would have to show everyone out there that even though I was small, I could still play. I would have to work a little bit harder than everyone out there to prove to them that I was good enough to be out there with them. 
And the same thing happened to me when I played baseball and eventually when I got into high school and I was playing football. I had to continually prove myself to show that I was good enough to be out there. Now, for me to have any hope of getting into a game to play for the varsity team, I had to make sure that I was in the best shape possible and I had to make sure that I was smarter than anyone else on the field. That was the only way I would get any chance to play. Basically, I had to make sure I had outworked everyone out there. What all this taught me was that if I wanted anything in this world, I was going to have to work my tail off to get it. You know what, guys? It worked. I learned that if I wanted to get something done, all I had to do was work for it, especially in my jobs. All of my bosses loved me because I showed up and I worked harder than everyone. So because of that, I got promoted basically in everything I ever did. Now, I enjoyed that feeling I would get from getting a pat on the back and being told like, job well done. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed accomplishing things better than the rest of my coworkers. I enjoyed looking at the list of whatever it was that was going on and seeing my name at the top. I wasn't one of the last picks in the draft anymore. I was a bona fide first round draft pick. So it, almost like a drug, I was addicted. I enjoyed the affirmation and the accomplishments. Not only that, I found my way to success. I found my way to get back at all those people that made me feel like I could never measure up. Through my own strength, I was erasing that pain I felt when I was young. I was learning that I could do all things through my work ethic. I was learning that I could get on the grind and make stuff happen. I was learning that I could depend on myself to make things happen in my life. I was learning that I no longer needed to trust anyone to do anything for me. I was learning that my pain had led to this purpose. But is that the purpose God had in mind for my life? Or was it the purpose that I was placing in my own life? Who did I trust to turn my crappy situation into fertilizer? I guess the real question is, who do I trust to take my pain and turn it into purpose? Me or God? Have you ever dealt with anything like this before? Have you ever had a decision to make in front of you and you used all the wisdom you had to make it on your own, but you didn't go to God about it? I mean, think about the last big situation in your life. How much was God involved or consulted in it? For me, I've seen God work in my life and I've seen my own will come to pass as well, but I will lean on my own abilities all the time. And that isn't the right way to live. And this actually reminds me of the biblical character of David. Now, let me give you some context on what is happening in the world before I like really get into David's story. So at this point in time, uh, when we're going to pick up in some of the story, the king of Israel was a man named Saul. But Saul disobeyed God one too many times for him to stay the king of Israel. So God sent his prophet, which is just the title for someone in that time uh, of someone that could hear God's voice. So God sends the prophet Samuel to find the next king of Israel. And God sent Samuel to the city of Bethlehem to find his next king. Specifically, God sent Samuel to the house of a man named Jesse. And God told Samuel that one of Jesse's sons would be the next king of Israel. So Samuel is at home waiting on this dinner. And that's when Jesse's sons start walking in. And that's where we're going to kind of pick up the story. So the first son that walks in is named Iliad. Jesse's oldest son. Now, what you have to know during that time is that the oldest son was normally the one that would receive everything. 
He was the one that would get all the inheritance, and then it was up to him to split it amongst his siblings. So it would be the natural order for the oldest son to be the one that was chosen to be king, because he was the one that would be chosen to lead the family after the father was gone. So not only that, but when Samuel looks at him, Samuel thinks he looks like a king. He's tall. He's handsome. Eliab looks like he would fit the part. But God says, no, 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 no. That's not my God. I'm not judging on outward appearance. I've chosen the son with the right heart. So the search continues for Samuel. They would bring up six more of Jesse's sons. And each time God would tell Samuel, no, not him. And Samuel's confused because he's looking around and there's no more sons at the dinner. So he like pulls Jesse aside and Samuel's like, hey man, uh, are there any sons that you haven't told me about? Which is like kind of scandalous when you think about it, right? He's, he's like, are there any other kids running around this town that, you, that nobody knows about? Uh, but there isn't a huge scandal because Jesse answers the question really easily. So let's look at the scripture to see how Jesse answers. There it says, There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So we'll stop in the scripture right there. Now, when you look at Jesse's reply, the Hebrew word that, that there that means the smallest is actually like insignificant. So what Jesse is saying is that the most insignificant son is the one that is left. But Jesse didn't think it was worth Samuel's time to even see his youngest son. Remember, all the special stuff was saved for the oldest son. So the youngest son, who was named David, was looked at as someone that would never be thought of to lead the family into the future, much less be a king. Well, let's jump back into the story in the scripture. There it says, So Jesse sent for David. He was dark and handsome, with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So just like that, David was anointed to be the future king of Israel. But more had to happen before David became king. So let's fast forward a little bit in the story. And at this point in David's story, he finds himself at the front lines of a battle between his country, Israel, and the nation of the Philistines. When David goes to the front lines, he was just there to give some food to his brothers because he wasn't even thought of to be significant enough to fight in the battles of the army. So while he is there, he hears about the Philistines' great warrior, Goliath. And the way that this war had been set up is that each side would send one warrior into the middle, and then they would let them fight that out. And the warrior that would win would actually win the entire battle for both sides, which worked out well for the Philistines because their great warrior was a beast of a man. Goliath was huge, massive, hulking guy. Some historians think that he could be up to nine feet tall. So he was scary. And not only that, he was undefeated. Because of that, Goliath had all kinds of pride. He talked all kinds of mess about Israel, its army, and Israel's God. And no one in the Israeli army wanted any of that smoke. The entire army was too scared to go fight him, including King Saul. Well, David, while he was out there taking care of the sheep and the goats, he didn't really have anyone to talk to. So he spent time with God. He would sit out there and worship and talk to God. So David couldn't stand the idea of anyone talking about God or God's chosen people in that way. So David decided that he would be the one to go out and fight Goliath. 
So David walks over to the king of Israel and he says, let me fight him. I've been taking care of my father's flock of sheep for a long time. While I was out there, I had to fight off lions and bears, which is crazy, right? He explains how he pulled members of his flock out of the mouths of lions and bears. And when they started to come at him, David would grab a club and kill them with it. Yeah, little old insignificant David has killed lions and bears all by himself with just a club. So King Saul's like, all right, kid, go ahead. Have at it. So David walks out there and starts talking his own mess. David's like, let's let Goliath know that the Lord will prevail in this battle, that he is going down. Then Goliath charges at David, and David pulls out a stone out of his bag, a smooth stone, and he puts that stone onto his sling, and he sends that stone right into the forehead of Goliath. David didn't even need to get close to Goliath to defeat the greatest warrior of their time. The way I look at it, David was just protecting his flock. He was performing with the same gifts that God had given him, but on a new level. Instead of protecting his flock from a bear or a lion, he was protecting God's nation from invading armies. Instead of trusting God to take care of him while he was out in the wilderness, David was trusting God to take down the enemy in front of him. So all the pain and frustration that David must have felt for all those years being the insignificant son was being used for a purpose. If David wasn't out in those fields all the time, he never would have had the ability to win the day for his nation. God took his pain and gave it purpose. But really, here's where I want to land today. For David, there was pain and purpose and skills learned from the time in the wilderness with the sheep and the goats. However, David could have used those skills in a different way. He could have like become an amazing hunter and made a bunch of money for his family. And it wouldn't have been bad or wrong, but it wouldn't have been in step with God. It's just like what I was talking about with my story earlier. I felt all this pain, and I found a bunch of skills that would be used for my purpose. But I was using those skills for other things. So for us to fully see the purpose that will come from our pain, we need to find how God wants us to use it. And not how we want to use it. So here's our big idea for today. Pain leads to partnership. Pain leads to partnership. We need to see how God is using our pain to grow us in every situation. So ask yourself, how is God showing up in this season of pain? How is God perfecting something in me right now? Then you see how God wants those abilities to be used. Think of it like this. We can learn how to make a fire. If we find ourselves in the wilderness, we can use that fire to keep ourselves warm when it's cold, to cook some food, or to keep some animals that want to harm us away. So this skill can be used for good. But also, this skill, if unchecked and used in the wrong way, can burn everything. It can destroy and harm if used in the wrong way. It's the same thing with the skills that we learn while we're in our pain. We can use all that stuff for good, or we can burn everything and everyone around us with it. So for a while, David used these skills for good. After even more trials, David is eventually the king of Israel. And while he trusts God, everything's going well. But things keep on going so well, and the focus on God slowly turns to David's own abilities. 
He actually stops trusting in God, even though he's seen God do so many amazing things in his life, and he starts to rely on his own strength. And David does something he shouldn't. He takes a census of his nation, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but by doing this, what David is showing is that he's more interested in the forces he has to fight on this earth than David is interested in the God that is on his side. Now, I know when I read through this, I'm amazed at like how dumb David can be in this situation. I mean, he was plucked out of a pasture of goats and sheep and anointed to be God's chosen king. Then he gets to see God move in his life time after time. But when David starts to look at how big the armies are of the nations that are surrounding him, he needs to make sure that he has enough to get into a fight. I read this and I was like, bro, you have God. Why are you worried? But then I remember, this is almost like my exact story all the time, all the time. So I want to be hot with you right now. I constantly fall short of this. I regularly lean on my own abilities to do things. Guys, just this week, writing this sermon that I'm teaching you guys right now, that I'm seeing right now, I was banging my head against the desk trying to figure out the right things to say and the right way to present this stuff to you. I was leaning on my own abilities and knowledge to make this work. Let me tell you how that went. Terribly. I have rewritten this talk almost three times. Now, what happened to make this work was spending some time with people that God cares about. Earlier this week, we got a chance to meet with some young people in our community. And as we got talking, the story of David that I was telling you right now just like started bubbling out of me. It was like bursting. God was just placing the story on me in a way that I could speak it with passion and excitement. The exact opposite of how I felt leaning on my own intelligence to put this sermon together. Then when I was done, God so gently was just like standing there to let me know how I was doing this all wrong again. Now I want to make sure you guys get a great sermon every single week. You all deserve to get a great insight into who God is and how he works. Now I understand that I'm not the most gifted and highly regarded pastor in the world. I might not even be the most the, the best pastor and preacher in this community. So all of a sudden, I'm put back on that playground. I'm back on that football field. I'm back into my pain. And I feel like the only way that I'm going to be able to prove myself to you guys and to God is if I work harder than anyone else. But that's wrong. God didn't take me through all that to show me how to work hard. He didn't take me through all that so I could learn how to do things on my own. He showed me that so I could use all those skills to partner with him. He used that crappy situation. He used that pain to feed the fruit that would be grown in me decades later. He used that pain so I could take care of you guys. I'm here to be your pastor, to be your shepherd. I'm here and ready to be the one that fights off the bears and lions for you and alongside you. And the reason I'm even qualified to do it isn't because of skill, but rather because of connection. Guys, the reason I have the spiritual fruit growing in my life is because I have dug my roots deep into God's living water, which is the Holy Spirit. 
Now for you, you can do the exact same thing. And the first way you can do that is by connecting yourself to Jesus. Jesus did all the work to connect us to the Father. He laid his perfect life down for us. So when we simply believe in Jesus, we can spend an eternity in heaven. When we simply believe in Jesus, we can have the Holy Spirit, which is our God, living within us. When we believe, we become the intersection between heaven and earth. We become the ones that bring all the good of heaven to all the people around us. We are no longer the like final pick in the draft. Now, if you are interested in connecting yourself to Jesus, this is your chance today. To do that, all you have to do is have a simple conversation with him, which we would call prayer. So if you're interested in being in community with Jesus, you can pray to do that right now. To help you out, I'd like to ask everyone in our Akuo community to pray along with you because here at Akuo, no one ever has to pray alone. There is always a community here for you. So if you want to connect yourself to Jesus today, pray something like this with me. You can just go ahead and bow your heads and, and pray something like this with me. Just, just say something like, Jesus, I don't know that much about you but I want to know more. I want you to enter into my life. Right now, I declare that I believe in you and I want to follow you the best way I can. Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Now let's keep our heads bowed. And if you're someone that has been connected to Jesus for the last five decades or the last five seconds, it just happened right now, and you want to lay down your pride to trust in Jesus more, then I want you to pray something like this with me. Jesus, I'm tired of doing things on my own. I am worn out and I am burned out. Please help. Please partner with me in this season. Show me the right ways to get through this right now. Show me the right paths to take in this season of uncertainness. Please help. Speak to me during this time and remind me to lean on you and not my own abilities and understanding. Thank you for everything. And we all Pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, all right, guys, that's all that we have for you in today's service. Uh, I just have a few things I want to share with you before we head out. Next week, we're going to continue in this series, Fruit Feeder. And over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to learn about what is feeding our fruit and how this can be leveraged for all the people around us. So be sure and, and jump back on and watch us along with us next week at 8.30 and 10. And feel free to invite and share everything that we are posting on our social media. Next, I want to talk about how we practice generosity here at Akuo. What we do is practice the biblical method of giving called tithing, which means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. Now, we know that when you trust God with your finances, there is blessing every single time. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to end up with like all kinds of crazy gear or, uh, you know, the new car that you've been interested in or that awesome truck or like helicopters or anything crazy like that. But what we are saying is that every time you trust God with something, he blesses you in that arena. There's a peace 
knowing that when you trust God with something, he's going to take care of you. And then you can apply that to different parts all around your life. We want you guys to be able to exercise this very practical discipline. Now, that might not be a possibility for you right now. Things might be really tough for you and your family, and that's okay. I get it. If things are tough for you right now, we want you to see the purpose in your pain. We want you to see our purpose in your pain. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs something, uh, just let us know. All For that, all you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. You can also send me an email directly at humby.sedveta at akuo.church, or you can call or text the church directly at 210-901-8785. We want to be connected to you. We want to be linked to you in this time right now. Now, if you can tithe right now, you can do that by going to our website, akuo.church, and when you get there, all you have to do is follow the instructions after you click on the giving link. We also have our text the tithe option. For that, all you have to do is text AKUO, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to tithe to the number 77977. If you don't want to give electronically, we also have our PO box available if you'd like to send your tithe through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail your tithe to AKUO at PO box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. Now, one last thing. I just want to remind you guys about our Zoom group. This is a great way for us to get together and just be hot with one another, right? We want to be honest, open, and transparent. This is also a place where we can see the fruit that God is bearing in our lives. This could be a place where God shows you the purpose for your pain. So we want you to join us on Wednesday night at 7.30. For all the links to this Zoom group, all you have to do is go to any of our social media pages. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you today. Like I tell you every single week, I love you all and I'm praying for you all week long. So before we go, let me just pray over you one last time. So Jesus, as everyone clicks off their browser, turns off their TV and puts away their phone, I ask that you would be speaking to them. I ask that they would hear you when you speak. I ask that you would remind them that you are the one that is in control. I ask that you would remind them that while they are in pain, there is purpose. I ask that that pain would lead them to a partnership with you, Lord. Thank you for everything. We all love you. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.